I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, and joining me, reoccurring guest, friend of the pod, Jimmy. What you got for me? Man, Nick, I got some some JJ Berea minutes. I got a what did we win by? 25, 26 point win over the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's good to be back on uh with the locked on gang. Glad to glad to be back. Jimmy Crowther back with us. He's at all underscore things underscore Mavs. I'm sure all of you follow him on Twitter. I'll put a, a link in the description of this podcast if you want to check out his account. Uh, good stuff over there. We on this show are breaking down the Mavericks 139 to 123 win over the Timberwolves like Jimmy alluded to. We had some fascinating just minutes overall. Um, I think, how many is that? 11 Mavericks? 10 Mavericks? Uh, <laughs> recorded 20 minutes, which is kind of wild. Holy crap. To think about so, so many players. We got a bunch of Michael K. Gilchrist minutes, uh, a bunch of J.J. Barea minutes, like you said, a bunch of Courtney Lee. Not a lot of Justin Jackson minutes. So uh, we'll discuss that, discuss everything, uh, and then go get Jimmy's take on you know the Mavericks right now. Uh, maybe that Atlanta game we'll talk about a little bit more. We still, at this point, have not heard any kind of um, – punishment coming down for Cuban or the Mavericks or any kind of ruling on the protest. So we're still just kind of waiting and seeing what's going to happen with that. Yeah. I, I mean, there was a game earlier this year that was just terrible. It was the, the Houston game where James Harden dunked the ball and it went in, but they didn't think it went in. Uh, and they berated the refs and there was no, no fine or anything. And I think the NBA was just like, I mean, this is just a terribly missed call that we're not going to, we're not going to come down on him. So maybe that's the same thing that's going to happen for Cuban. Um, maybe not. I think uh, this might have been them getting back at Cuban tonight with the amount of calls that were made tonight, especially in the first half. I'm not usually one to complain about the refs. I say that. I probably complain about them a lot. But oh, we're, fa- we're famous on this podcast for saying we never complain about the refs and then, <laughs> then complaining about them <laughs> every complain. pod. So, yeah. Well, then I don't feel bad because tonight, I mean, there were whistles. I never thought this game was going to end, and it did, but – yeah, yeah, it, it finally did end. Uh, and by the way, Isaac is uh, you know, doing dad things. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, he had a kid or something. Yeah, right? he, had, he had one of those kids, <laughs> so we don't have to make an excuse for him. But that's why Jimmy is joining with us. We appreciate him hopping on. So let's get into this game. Uh, it started off you know, pretty uh, looking like the Mavericks are going to take away this win pretty early. But with 7 minutes and 40 seconds left in the first quarter, Luca started limping. And did you did your butt cheats? Cheeks clench as much as mine did when Luca got up and he was limping back down the court. Oh my gosh, so bad! It'll, <laughs> and especially because it wasn't like a a clear twist. It was like he just kind of landed weird on uh, whoever's foot it was. I think it was a Kogi or something. I don't know. Damn all but, the foots! I hate all the foots. All the feet I mean, just, out there. <laughs> Luca can stop landing on feet. That would be great. <laughs> he can land on his own feet. That's that's preferred. But nobody else's. But <laughs> man, I mean, I was like. Oh no, maybe this is a little bit something more. Like it's just never going to end. And I know there's probably people crying about the way they're taping his ankles or something because they probably know better. But holy moly, I was scared. Do we have to talk about landing mechanics again? Is that going to be a new thing that we have to talk about? Remember with Dennis Smith Jr. and the landing mechanics? Do we have to do that again with Luca and landing oh on on feet? 
I forgot about that. They had to teach this with Junior how to land because he got too high on his dunks. But Luca doesn't even get that high. He just comes down <laughs> weird on people's ankles. That's fair. Uh, so, yeah, but Luca played. He ended up playing more minutes. He ended up kind of shaking it off. And a couple possessions after he came up limping, he actually got a block on Wancho Hernan Gomez. Uh, one of his buddies, and that was pretty fun. You could see the smile on his face. I don't know if Wancho enjoyed it as much as Luca did, um, but that was a pretty cool play from Luca. Uh, and then Minnesota started making some hustle plays, and they started to make a you know a little bit of a comeback. The Mavericks had gotten out to like a ten point lead or so, and they got within three points. And Jimmy, the beacon was lit. It was the, lit, and JJ Bray <laughs> came in. Oh my goodness, I. Man, I mean, this is this is just incredible basketball that we're getting from JJ at the you know the second half now. I mean, you got to think about it. He's still not even full. What a full year, I guess a full year now from that torn Achilles, and yeah, he's coming in and doing stuff like this. And I mean, it's just it's so special to watch him play. And you know, we always kind of thought at the beginning of the year we were kind of just thinking, oh, anytime, any minutes we get from JJ Bray is going to be little bonus minutes. But good lord, he came in tonight, twelve points, uh, two threes. Everything was really efficient. He was plus 18 and getting to the basket, making plays happen, eight assists. I mean, he was just doing everything and really just responded to the Timberwolves basically trying to play bully ball on the Mavs. And J.J. Barea just did what he did and and got buckets and uh, basically just took over the game. With two minutes and 19 seconds left in the first quarter, the Mavericks are up by three points. J.J. Barea gets subbed in. He's playing with DeLon Wright, Courtney Lee, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Maxie. Pretty good lineup there with some with some vets in there. And uh, the Mavericks go on a 13-2 run to end the first quarter. And then into the second quarter, with 7 minutes and 36 seconds left, the Mavericks are up by 20. You just all of a sudden blink in, what has it been, like four or five minutes? And J.J. Barea leads the Mavericks to like a 17, you know, to extend the Mavericks lead by 17. Uh, he just comes in, and that's what he does. And that's why I just think he's going to have a, a spot in this rotation in the playoffs. What do you think about that? No, I, I agree with you, too. I, I was thinking about that a lot tonight, especially because Tim Cato talked about it in a piece uh, right after the All-Star break about, you know, getting the rotation down to the playoff rotation. And J.J. Bray already has the playoff voice in the locker room, and now he's getting the – to lead, you know, lead on the court as well, like through action, not just through what he's be- being able to say to these younger guys who haven't been to the playoffs yet. And, you know, when you do things like this and you obviously have Carlisle's trust, like that makes you a prime candidate to be – a regular rotation guard for the Mavs. And I said it actually the last time I was on this podcast after we lost to Charlotte. Um, oh yeah, that we, happened. Yeah, that happened. We, uh, <laughs> we were talking about it and JJ and Luca were playing a lot together and I was just really, really tired of watching that happen. And that didn't happen a lot tonight. It was a lot of just JJ on the floor. Um, and I loved it. I mean, it looked so much more organic. He had all the freedom in the world. Nothing was forced. And, that's what I want to see come playoff time if J.J. Barea is, and really I do think he should be in that playoff rotation. To my knowledge, that hasn't happened often since we talked about that. I remember I remember talking about that with you, and I don't know if we've seen that very often since then. So uh, Carlisle really has, this year, has been very fluid with some of these lineups, and he's really learned from what works. Uh, and it's kind of eye-opening to see this Mavericks team compared to past couple years Mavericks teams that haven't necessarily been very forthright in trying to win games. <laughs> It's like Carlisle is uh, actually coaching this year, and it's 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 refreshing for me. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. And you know, people obviously have their questions about his rotations and who's getting minutes and who's not, and it's fair sometimes. But there's not as many though. Doing. There's not as many no. questions as we've had the last couple of years, where we're like, play the young guys and you know, right things like that. So, 
All right, coming up, let's get into the rest of this game. That was pretty much the story of the game. The J.J. Barea run, the Mavericks <laughs> t- took the lead and ended up you know, running away with it. But let's talk a little bit more about Luca Porzingis. Um, the, you know, Michael K. Gilchrist got a really good look at him in, in the game. So let's talk about that coming up. All right, Jimmy, let's talk a little bit more about this game. Keep walking through it. Um, in the beginning of the second quarter, or the very end of the first quarter, we should mention, with .4 seconds left in the first quarter, Michael Kidd Gilchrist gets subbed in for the first time. Uh, plays, I don't know, an impactful .4 seconds, I guess, if you, if you want to put it that way. And then, I mean, they uh, didn't score, so I guess it was impactful. <laughs> yeah, defensive stalwart. <laughs> and then uh, in the second quarter, the beginning, I thought we got some really good Michael Kidd Gilchrist minutes. Um He's, he's out there to play defense. He had that one defensive possession where he had two blocks in a row. He's just rotating back and forth. Like That's what you want. You want a guy to be able to sub in, get you five, six minutes here and there to be able to just mess stuff up. Just go in there and block some stuff, get some stuff. You know, get your hand on the basketball on defense and just, you know, rotate over to a player and then back rotate back back over to this guy and then over to this guy and just go in there and, and cause chaos. And I thought he did a pretty good job of that in the beginning of the second quarter. No, he absolutely did. I mean, I tweeted out the one defensive play that stood out was he literally got switched on to all five of the Timberwolves that were in the <laughs> like in a possession, in a defensive possession, and switched onto them perfectly well shuffled his feet like we were all taught in kindergarten to do to do the defensive slides and he was doing them perfectly and he's got the long arms that plays it well and then pokes the ball away and then yeah forces the shot clock violation and you know that play sticks out the most but really he was just kind of doing good things all night on the defensive end I mean you know we he did score his first points tonight that's important to mention he got his first bucket as a maverick tonight but that's not what he was you know put here to do he's not he didn't get signed to, to get us a bucket every every time he steps on the floor he got signed to to get a stop on the wings that you know when dorian finney smith is out i like that rick was really rotating them i mean literally it was dorian finney smith out for kid gilchrist when it did happen and that's what it should be i mean he's just so versatile on the defensive end and it's something that we've been we've been lacking for sure absolutely and the bucket though was off of a pick and roll which is kind of wild because we had been talking about before he came in and actually got some minutes that he was going to play some five and then he was going to functionally be the five on offense and he came in, and his first bucket came off of a semi-screen and roll. He kind of um, he didn't really set a full screen, uh, but he he came in, set a you know a fake screen for JJ Barea, rolled to the basket, and got a got a bucket. And I thought that was uh, kind of interesting. He only scored two points, but <laughs> but hey, uh, the way that they came, I thought was interesting. And I think that you know as long as he stands out there on the three-point line. Like teams are going to pull away from him, and the Mavericks will definitely get away with this more in the regular season than in the postseason, but the Mavericks have enough space on the other side of the court that if they're running some actions over on the opposite side of where Kid Gilchrist is, then his the lack of spacing just on him doesn't matter as much as long as you only have one guy like him on the court, right? We're not going to play Willie Colley Stein and him together. When Dwight it, you know, comes back eventually, we're not going to play him and, you know, and Kid Gilchrist together. But as long as you just have Kid Gilchrist on one side and you can run you can run all the stuff you want on the other side, and I think it'll still kind of work. Yeah, like I would love to be able to watch a lineup that has DeLon Wright and Kid Gilchrist defensively, but like that's probably not great offensively either. Yeah, that um, too. That's a good point. I mean, DeLon, there were a couple of times tonight where DeLon was just like, it just gets so hesitant. And like he's been shooting it well this year when he shoots. I just wish he would let it fly more. Um, yeah, I mean, Kid Gilchrist isn't going to stretch the floor by any means, but – I'm hoping that if he stands in the corner, at least like 
he'll at least gain some respect from the defense. It, just just enough. That's all we need is just enough respect from defense that they can't leave him completely wide open. It took Rondo, and I know we hate that that name Ugh. on this podcast, but it took Rondo um, maybe until this year, and he's been shooting probably 34 to 37% from three the last four years. It took him about till this year to actually get some respect. Uh, and guys not like completely moving off of him. So I don't know if a couple games is going to give it to Kid Gilchrist. Once you get that reputation, you're kind of you have that for for a while, I think, until you yeah prove everybody otherwise. Especially with that shot. <laughs> um, what did you think though about Justin Jackson just not playing at all, uh, pretty much until garbage time? Um, I mean, do you think that he's that Carlisle's just trying out Kid Gilchrist and trying out Courtney Lee? Um, and wanting that veteran presence, you know, thinking about the playoff rotation, or is Justin Jackson just, you know, he's in the doghouse? I'm afraid Justin Jackson's officially in the doghouse. Uh, I, I've, I was one at the beginning of the year that wanted Justin Jackson to start. I think everybody knows that on Twitter I was safely on Justin Jackson Island, and I mean, it's very brave it's of not, you to come out on that side of it and do, yeah. to admit that publicly on this podcast. <laughs> I know I'm probably gonna get absolutely roasted for it, but. <laughs> He's just such a defensive liability. I never, I didn't expect it this bad. I mean, I thought his length and off the ball defense was just strong enough to to keep him, um, you know, on on the good side on the defensive end. But man, he's just such a minus that on that side that it's just it's just not worth it. And and Courtney Lee has been giving us good defensive minutes, and he does offensively almost exactly what Justin Jackson does, minus the perfect floater game. Um, I mean, which hasn't been good recently, by the way. No, from, no, from nothing. Justin Jackson, nothing. Nothing has been good, uh, and I hate that because also, and this is obviously we don't talk about the guys off the court all the time, and we can't factor that in. But he's such a good dude. Like everything yeah. I see from him, he just looks like such a good dude. But golly, I cannot watch him on the defensive end of the floor. It's just just so bad. But I'm glad he, you know, he got in there five minutes, scored four points, so that's good. Yeah, good good dude aside, not necessarily getting getting it done on the court right now. Right. Um, Delon, right? Do you there- think he's in the doghouse? Yeah, I think a little. I think Carlisle's decided to move away. We've seen enough from from games that kind of matter and moments that kind of matter. Like when games are not decided, he hasn't been getting real minutes. Yeah. Uh, unless everyone's out, you know, unless unless we're like a really short rotation, um, and a bunch of guys are out like the other day. But I think I think he is um, kind of on that spot, and I think he's out of the playoff rotation. I think that he's not necessarily even in the wild card spot like i we went through our nine-man rotation that will probably play in the playoffs and i don't even think he's in that wild card spot so uh, we'll see though i mean it could just be a bad week for him could be a bad month or so <laughs> that's been yeah uh, that carlisle has stopped playing him now but we'll see with that um luka Doncic in this game 20 points nine boards seven assists two steals a block we talked about the block um man him and porzingis i thought were doing some interesting things and i think that they've continued that um, that momentum that they had from the Kings game, from the Magic game, um, I guess from maybe sitting together on the bench against the Hawks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I thought they had some good actions. Porzingis had another great pass to Luka cutting into the lane. Those are some of my favorite plays to see. Uh, kind of a give and go with Luka giving the ball back to Porzingis at the top of the key. And then Porzingis just whipping a pass through a couple defenders, you know, a bounce pass to Luka who's cutting. Those kind of plays are just, those are the flashes of what, this duo really can do. And eventually when they get chemistry like that, if they're together for a couple years, those guys will be able to make plays like that. And imagine 
the chemistry between J.J. Beret and Devin Harris. Remember the backdoor cuts we used to see all the time on, on transition oh, plays? Those were the best. That's what we're going to see from Luca and Porzingis. And Porzingis hasn't been a big assist guy in his in his you know career in the NBA. But from what I've seen over the, this last year, uh, watching him as closely as we have, he's a pretty good passer. Like He's able to make some reads when he has his head up, when he's looking around, when he's aware. I think at the beginning of the year he was a little more tunnel vision, but now he's starting to see more things. He had three assists in this game, 15 points, nine boards, but I'm excited about that part of his game, and I think that synergy with him and Luka is just going to keep working. And It's the most exciting thing about the Mavericks right now for me. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And plus, let's let's remember who did he have to pass to in New York besides <laughs> Mello, who was going to not get an assist because he's going to just ISO it out. So I mean, you know, he hasn't really had the chance to pass to great players like Luca, who know when to make the right cuts. And now that he is, and, and I think that also comes with, um, you know, the European style is just having your big men, you know, running some more offense through your big men, and being able to do that in the high post with him has definitely worked out well so far and it's only going to grow like you said so yeah that that excites me um and it's something that you know he's really getting the chance to show i, I think he's tied his career high in assists like four times this year it's like five yeah. maybe yeah, but, I think, yeah i think it is five he's done that a couple times this year which is exciting and that's good and when he's got all those shooters around him that's what he's got to do he has to be able to draw in the defense he has to be able to kick out and he's proven a little bit here and there that he's able to to do that when he really has to yeah, and I mean, we, what, he played, what, 25 minutes tonight? Like, he didn't have a great game um, by any means, but, you know, he showed, again, just enough tonight from what we needed for him. And, yeah, I was I was happy with what I saw from KP. And like you said, like that one pass, they just dropped a dime to Luka on is definitely the most exciting thing I think he did all night, outside of the one-handed alley-oop from Luka. Oh, yeah, Th- those are definitely fun. Yeah, Luka and Porzingis combined for two of – uh, two, what is that? Two of 14 from three. <laughs> so Oof. not the greatest night shooting for the two, but the Mavericks still end up getting the, the huge win. They scored 81 points in the first court in the first half, which is just insane. Uh, the Mavericks have only done that four times now in their history. So three times more the, the last time they did it with 2009 against the, uh, I guess that would have been the 22nd or the seven seconds or less Suns Cause it was against the Suns, but um, yeah, the Mavericks just completely, completely took out the Timberwolves. I mean, and, and Timberwolves bunch of injuries. They're a completely different team now. Beasley's interesting. D'Angelo Russell is cooking again, like he always does against the Mavericks, but uh, without Towns. Um, and then, yeah, I guess the, I guess they're really only missing Towns at this point because Jake Lehman played, D'Angelo Russell played, uh, but Towns is huge, obviously. So, but they're shorthanded there. I, I knew everyone that played tonight for the Timberwolves, and I was really proud of that, except for Keelan Martin. That guy checked in, and I had never heard that name before in my life. And that's he's been when I was killing like, it for them. He, I think he was on a two-way. Has he really? Yeah, he's been really playing well for them. Uh, I mean, he had a good game. And he hit that three-fourths quarter shot at the the very end that, that counted. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be, that's right. That'd be funny if that, was, uh, that destroyed somebody's cover, uh, if somebody had bet on this game randomly. Oh. Man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Timberwolves are just – they're just not a good team uh, right now just because, you know, Harp and they'll it. beat. <laughs> yeah, Harp did say it. He sure <laughs> did. He just said they're bad, and uh, he wasn't wrong. Probably the best analysis he's given. And, I mean, you <laughs> know, Harp. it's just such a different team. And uh, a lot of young guys, a lot of interesting guys, and they're going to be hopefully better next year. But, you know, I feel like we say that every year. But, again, they're at least totally be, different team. They'll at least be fun next year. Yeah, Cat, D'Lo, and I love Jarrett Culver. Um, I, I'm a huge Jarrett Culver fan. So 
hopefully they turn out. And I do like uh, Malik Beasley as well. I kind of want the Mavs to take a swing on him around the deadline, but obviously he was a part of something a lot bigger that nobody saw coming. Yeah, he'd be an interesting if he was going to be available. I think he's restricted <laughs> now, so I don't think he's going to become available. But he'd be an interesting Tim Hardaway Jr. replacement if it got to that point. Where, like, let's say Tim Hardaway Jr. and let's talk about him next. Uh, Twenty three points in this game. He was playing really, really well. Only twenty seven minutes. He, uh, if he ends up turning down his player option this summer, which is just something that none of us could have fathomed maybe five months ago, <laughs> mm. uh, maybe even three months ago, none of us could have fathomed. But if he does turn that down this summer and he's not a Maverick next year and signs somewhere else for longer or more money or whatever, uh, Michael Beas or Michael Beasley, <laughs> <laughs> Malik Beasley is a guy that could have replaced some of what what Tim Hardaway Jr. brought. All right, coming up, let's talk about Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith, Curry in this game. Uh, the Mavericks role players, Maxi Maxi Kleba showing up big. Let's talk about them coming up. All right, Jimmy, Tim Hardaway Jr. He just keeps amazing us. Like even with his dad not in not in the audience, and I don't know if we had him in the crowd tonight or not, but he definitely played like Tim Hardaway Sr. was in the building. Three of six from three, eight of fourteen from the floor. He had that dunk on Jake Lehman that Oh, oh man. And then the there's another dunk where Porzingis missed a three. I think it was in the third quarter. Uh, Porzingis missed the three. DeLon Wright got the rebound and then just lobbed a pass. Tim Hardaway Jr., who's right under the rim, and it hit that one-handed uh, dunk that was pretty nasty when he was all by himself. Um, man, he's just playing on a different level right now, and it's just so awesome to see. And I really hope we get this version of Tim Hardaway Jr. in the playoffs because then the Mavericks are really dangerous. I mean, he's truly a th- – I-, I never thought he would be a third option, like a true third option. Um, and it's just – uh, tonight, obviously, he scored the most points. There's been multiple nights where he's been the first option when he's hot. But, man, when you – I just remember at the beginning of the year, I mean, there were even plays at the beginning where, you know, the stupid stuff where he would wait for the defense to come and, like, he'd wait for them to get there. Yeah, but now yeah, the when, he ta- when he catches the – yeah, when he catches the ball, like, you want him to just let it fly. Uh, and he has all the confidence in the world, and Rick has all the confidence in the world in him, and I think the fan base finally does now too. And, yeah, I mean, just – and also I really love – the intensity that he plays with like his demeanor is always just so like focused on the game and even though he's still a younger guy like i think he's only what 26 27 and he but he's you know he's a veteran presence he really is and um just a just a cool dude on the court and he has just been playing lights out i I love what i see from him but yeah those two dunks were were awesome yeah those are awesome and it's interesting what you say about you know him being like a veteran because a lot of these guys that their dad played in the NBA, you know, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, um, you know, bunch of guys where their their dads have played, they come in and they just kind of know. I mean, even Jalen Brunson, you, you come in and you, you already kind of know what's going to happen. You already kind of know what to expect. Uh, and you, they kind of are veterans out there. We talk about Jalen Brunson in the same way. His dad played in the NBA. You talk about them being able to, um, you know, t- handle a little bit more than normal rookies can. And I think there's something to be said about that. Uh, and the culture of the Mavericks is is one now that is, man, it's really it's really helping Tim Hardaway Jr. focus on basketball, help him um, focus on his role. And the Mavericks culture has been talked about a lot recently, and led uh, their basketball culture for sure. Um, and these players, Tim Hardaway Jr. has had his career revived basically in Dallas. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleba came out of nowhere and are now you know rotation players that have gotten long-term deals with the team. Um, man, when at what point do we get to talk about the Mavericks as a team that can develop players? Uh, we're, we're 
at that point. We're I mean, there. past that point. I mean, here's my thing. Like, I, I think I've said this. I've, I've had arguments with people over this, and it's like you think about guys like Dwight Powell throw in in a Rondo True. trade becomes an incredible guy that obviously we miss right now. You think about a guy like Brandon Wright who had terrible shoulder injuries all the time. We come in, we get him healthy and revives his career. He has a couple great years here. Monte Ellis, when he was in Milwaukee, just completely falls off the face of the earth and then comes back to Dallas, talks about how much he loves basketball again. Like Jay Crowder. stories like that. Jay Crowder, Tyson Chandler even had injury problems until he got here. And then, you know, he played consistent minutes, goes to New York, wins defensive player of the year. Like, the names are all there and it's all it's not always our rookies you know you think about obviously horror stories like Shane Larkin or Jared Cunningham <laughs> like yeah we don't always develop those guys but we can pick the diamonds out of the rough and develop them and now like you said you get Dorian Finney-Smith undrafted Maxi undrafted uh Curry undrafted you know, even yeah Curry Dwight Powell and all those guys and JJ Barea of course one of the biggest <laughs> biggest True. ones um so yeah i mean it's definitely a culture that develops guys and you know, maybe we don't always draft well, but we we find the diamonds in the rough and and make them what they can be. Al Camino is another one. That we had him for one year. He comes in and uh, been getting paid ever since. So good for him. <laughs> <laughs> the more I just watch this specific team, and especially when Luca and Porzingis are out, that that just sticks out to me that these guys can step up. That they kind of came out of nowhere. That some of these guys were on different teams and were playing terribly. And you know, talked about as you know minus you know contracts and negative contracts and you know baggage and all that stuff. Um, you know, it's it's just interesting to see what kinds of players work, and it's it's encouraging that this team can do that. And sometimes we have the you know Mavericks fans have the draft you know mentality of oh we'll never get good players in the draft and i think we're kind of past that now like i think the mavericks are now a team that you can look at and kind of trust what they're going to do around the draft around free agency and uh and trust the player movement which is amazing to have that trust and ability with luca and porzingis already in tow yeah especially when we have two solid picks coming up this year you know we get a probably a early 20s pick and then a the first pick of the second round most likely with golden state like those are going to be two pretty valuable picks with the way that this front office is, is drafting and developing guys. They're trading those. I'm I'm calling it. They're trading <laughs> oh. both of those picks. I'm calling it. I'm calling my shot. I've been thinking about this all year. Uh, there's no way they draft players and keep them with those oh my with goodness. those two picks. Definitely one of the two. Um, but okay. I'm, I'm calling my shot. That, I mean, we all that, thought we all thought the Golden State one was gone at the trade deadline, and <laughs> lo and behold, it's it's still around. So, but, you know. so Mark Cuban made a point that we talked we talked about this already on the pod. But Mark Cuban made a point around the trade deadline that would you rather have um, the one second round pick to trade at the trade deadline or have both picks to trade at the draft? And I'm like, man, <laughs> the way that he said that makes me think that they are going to package both those picks and somebody else, you know, to to get another like an actual player, a real vet type player. And that got me really excited, and that's that's what makes me think that they're going to move one of those picks. So, it, for for all the draft people, for you know, for for Richard from Mavs Draft, for all those for all those people that are excited about the draft, uh, maybe chill out a little bit. <laughs> Interesting. All right, I'll that's keep that. Thoughts. I'm going to keep that one in the back of my head. That's my thoughts. No, no sourcing on it except for that Cuban quote that was public. Right. Which I completely missed that quote. So thanks for bringing that to my attention. <laughs> yeah, it was on something. I can't remember what it was on. Maybe a Dallas Morning News article. Um, ah, yeah. But. Yeah, you know, one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, one of of those old things. Ah, the paper. (laughs) (laughs) All right, last guy we got to talk about, and I didn't know if you were going to bring him up, so I'm going to do it. Oh, go ahead, yeah. DeLon Wright. I mean, he played so well tonight, and he gave us the minutes that I think we all expected to kind of see out of him, obviously against Timberwolves, and he had extended minutes, blah, blah, blah. But 
aggressive, like getting to the basket, doing things hustle wise, like, um, you know, and obviously there was a little thing before the all-star break about potentially being upset with his role and his brother was and all that junk and seeing a game like this. Yeah. Hopefully all gone now, now where he puts up 16 points and four boards tonight and then does all the right things on the defensive end. Like that's the DeLon Wright we signed up for. And I think we're getting more consistently also. Yeah, the more he's the more that he's aggressive on both ends really. You have to be he has to be aggressive both on offense and on defense. That the, the, you know, the, it seems like the better he plays and the more impactful he is. And I think that he he definitely is a type of player that when he sees an opening, when he sees, you know, a team that he can drive on, he's going. Like he's putting his foot on the pedal and he's just going for it every single time. And that's uh, you know, not necessarily going to happen all the time, but down the stretch that's a player that you want and yeah, you're right. This is the this is the type of player that the Mavericks signed up for and actually signed. DeLon Wright in this game, 16 points, four boards, two assists, a steal. Um, he went 0-1 from three, and the one three was really hesitant. Like he didn't want to take mm-hmm. it, and then he just decided to go for it. And that's really the one the one weakness in his game that really hasn't come around. We've seen all these other players, you know, Dorian Finney Smith, Maxi, um, even Tim Hardaway Jr. He's never not com- he's never not confident in his shot, <laughs> but his shot has turned around. That's the one area where and the, where DeLon Wright's game hasn't really come around. I think that's what's holding him back from some of these, um, you know, minutes with between him and Brunson or him and Curry. Like, that's what's really, I think, holding him back still. And coming in, that's kind of what we expected, too, because he hadn't really been a good three-point shooter coming into this season. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I when he does shoot it, I mean, the mechanics look pretty good, I think. I, I'm not a shot expert or anything, but, you know, he can make them if he's open, and he's just got to be confident when he shoots them, and that's really all it is. It just takes him a while to get the shot up. Yeah, uh, it it's just kind of wind up. It, it kind of yeah, it does seem like he kind of winds up. It seems like it takes a little while, um, and then it's the confidence. Really, it's, it's, we're just gonna keep going back to that word for him because um, you know when he does take him with confidence, and that's kind of the what's the Dennis Scott thing? He's like shoot it with confidence. I feel like he always says that about every single player he ever talks about on NBA TV, but <laughs> it's true for for Delon Wright for sure. Um, so that's definitely something to watch because him versus Jalen Brunson is going to be something for the playoffs. I think as far as the rotation, I think you're right. And I, I'm not, not sure where I stand on it yet. Uh, but I think it'll be pretty telling what these last, how many games do we have left? Not many feels like, um, oh, you know, these last 20 plus math. games. <laughs> I know I'm not trying to do math. I just looked at it and I got overwhelmed. So 58, say- that means 24 games left. All right, so I said twenty plus, so I was right. Yeah, you're right. Definitely, definitely <laughs> at least twenty plus. All right, anything else you want to you want to talk about with this Mavericks team, with uh, the game, you know, the Minnesota game, or anything else Mavericks recently? Um, I will say that uh, tonight's win was double big for me because my Oklahoma State Cowboys got absolutely trampled by Kansas, eighty three to fifty eight. Uh, so that helped me a lot watching the Mavs instead. So thanks, thanks Mavs for for being there for me. Shout out to the Mavs for winning more games than they lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, amen. Keep that going. Keep that going for you. All right, there you go. Um, you can find you you can find Jimmy and all his stuff from Chat Sports over at uh, at all under things underscore things underscore Mavs. I'll put a link in the description of this podcast. You can check them out there, guys. Thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs. Peace out. Boom. Boom.